so I, I went ahead and hit the record button. So this is one of those those podcasts where I, I have no context on somebody, and like I'm starting from scratch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I don't even yeah. I don't even like know what to what to jump into. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, teaching and and being uh, a speech language pathologist, and you had explained something different that just the the swallowing thing like that people don't understand that like some of these mechanisms of i don't know is it the throat yeah the, yeah okay yeah um sorry, yeah i, I think a lot of speech uh a lot of um i would say the community or just um people in general don't really know everything that a speech language pathologist does so uh -huh. they the first thing they might think is oh i had therapy when i was a kid for my r's and that's one thing we do but mm -hmm. you know our scope of practice is fairly large which i think is great because we have as speech pathologists we have a lot of um different avenues to practice uh at the same time i think it's important that we uh, we specialize in an area, you know, so I, it's, I've been practicing for 20 years. It's hard to believe when you say <laughs> that, like, I can't believe that I'm that, I'm that old. And I love the field as much today as I, as I did when I started. Is it, has it evolved with technology the same as anything? Like is it, especially in the now, I would imagine any sort of healthcare field that mm -hmm. the, the changes have been rapid or? Yeah, you know, I think in most, in most uh, medical fields, we are still, you know, five to 10 years behind the research. Mm -hmm. So it takes a while for that research to trickle down. Uh, but there's been a push, I would say, in allied health in general towards evidence-based practice and taking a look at uh, what is in the research but then also looking at the client perspectives and then your clinical practice pers perspectives to make more informed decisions for your clients, uh, which I think is a really excellent push. I think something else that's changing in all the fields and, I, it, and is really great is that interprofessional practice, mm -hmm. that idea that we're all in this together. And I think that that also tran uh, translates well to the schools. You know, SLPs work in the schools. And, and for a long time, I think um, SLPs were kind of this island uh, to themselves. But, mm -hmm. but over, the, I would say, the last 10 to 15 years, you know, more SLPs are working with teachers, working with parents, and, and um, taking a more holistic approach mm -hmm. to a child and either they're, they're learning difference, disorder, or disability. And that's really exciting to me. I love that. I love, I love working um, together as a team to benefit uh, the clients that I work with. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm going to do my little kick over here to say this will probably be a conversation that benefits you all too. Uh, episode number 45 of the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back together to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, my guest, Aaron Conley, uh, is part of this, I guess, uh, as I've said, impromptu series uh, featuring some District 95 uh, school board candidates. So I and school is, I mean, is your life. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. You, know, you, you talked about you, you, you were talking about, you know, research um, kind of leading practice. Right. By by a uh, period of time uh, in in the world of of um, being a, a schooling professional. 
I was trying to figure out which words I was going to go with. I was like, is it pedagogy? Is it professing? Is it which, <laughs> which direction? But do you, do you do a mix of clinical activity, teaching, and research? Is, is, do you do all three? So I am a non-tenure track faculty at SIU, and I am I'm a uh, – associate professor of practice mm -hmm. so I am teaching clinical education primarily so I have a, we have a clinic the clinical center at SIU that offers um, uh, counseling services psychological services and also speech language therapy services mm -hmm. and so I um, I uh, supervise graduate clinicians and and help to help them to develop their clinical skills mm -hmm. um, but I also teach some didactic courses so this this is my first year teaching an undergrad class and it's been really fun I'm teaching speech and hearing science mm -hmm. which is um, a big topic and it's it's been great I've really I really enjoyed it um, I Moving into teaching, so this has been my fourth year teaching mm -hmm. at SIU, and I would say, you know how you said you're, you're in all things teaching. I, you know, with my kids, remote learning. Uh -huh. uh, so I've got three kids remote learning. Um, <laughs> it's been a challenge, and then I had to transition to remote learning, mm -hmm. teaching remote learning, um, and then I'm also working on my PhD, so I'm a student remote learning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been it has it's um I think 2020 was a challenge for my family for sure oh my gosh that's that is an interesting perspective to have on remote learning <laughs> yeah. to have to parent through it mm -hmm. teach through it and learn through it uh what who do you think has it what angle do you think has it best or worst right now yeah mm. i don't even know which direction to go uh, yeah, in that, yeah. But. you know i think in my experience um my six-year-old mm -hmm. it's been very difficult for yeah. her um she is super gregarious she's outgoing she loves people uh, but she also has social anxiety mm -hmm. and so um here she is trapped in this house with her family and she's bored of sick and tired of us you know mm -hmm. she wants to talk to other people but she just couldn't it couldn't get her mind around remote learning mm -hmm. it it triggered that social anxiety in her and being on those you know google meets was just too much for her yeah. so we ended up pulling her from school and homeschooling her which didn't work out all that well either I would say <laughs> um, until now we've re-enrolled her now uh -huh. that they're back so she's back in school um, and she's you know she's loving it she and she's more willing to do the remote piece on Wednesdays I think now because she has that personal relationship with her mm -hmm. teacher mm -hmm. you know uh, so it's really hit her hard um, Jameson my 11 year old he is at um, uh, Lewis he's in fifth grade mm -hmm. And he's kind of my easy, you know, easy-go-lucky kind of kid. Uh, and he's doing great. Mm -hmm. His teacher, Mrs. Jenkins, is amazing. I, I can't even begin to describe the how creative she is mm -hmm. in um, her teaching methods. They go on virtual field trips, 
And Jameson will be so excited. I'm like, Mom, tomorrow we're going on a virtual field trip here, and we're going to get to see this, and we're going to get to see that. <laughs> and uh, the way that she's used PowerPoint presentations for, with the kids, uh, creating their own presentations, it's, it's really unique, and he's learning. He is learning. Um, and so that's great. My... My eldest son, Owen, he's a teenager. He's a uh, freshman year in high school, and it's just kind of a sad way to, to start out high school, mm -hmm. you know? And he's an introvert anyways. He's a musician, uh, and he misses band mm -hmm. so much. <laughs> like, just this big hole in his heart, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, where band is. So um, I think, I think, uh, he, he is also pretty impacted by this, you know, and I've talked to other friends that have teenagers, mm -hmm. you know, trying to just get them out of their room. <laughs> it's just a challenge. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then I think for myself, you know, and I imagine that the teachers in the district feel this way also, like now the university has lifted some of the, the restrictions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're allowed to have, our clients are starting to come back. We've been doing teletherapy, mm -hmm. which I'd never done before, mm -hmm. you know, just had to step into teletherapy and not only step into it and do it myself, but step into it and teach my students how to do it at yeah. the same time that I was learning it. So, um, we have clients coming back, and I and I got to see one of my clients for the first time in a year almost, and it's so exciting. I just want to like, I want to hug my students. They're like, oh, it's just it's just so good to see you in person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I heard this. I was listening to NPR, and I heard this really interesting statement about how Zoom is great, but at the same time, we lack that interpersonal experience, mm -hmm. and we can hide really easily mm -hmm. in Zoom. Um, and I, I realize, you know, now and being able to be with my students a little more, gosh, how much I missed it, yeah. you know? The, the, the kids going back to school thing, I, I, I can't imagine, and, and we've, we've talked about this both in, in Kathy and Corey's, the, the importance of, of grandparents and being able to to manage through this right and to imagine what it would be like to not have these support systems in place that have even allowed this to occur do you and sean have a similar support system like is there family around here for you guys or well my mom and dad are here but um sean's mother passed away during covid oh. she was elderly and she passed away in the nursing home mm -hmm. which was which was really hard because uh, we weren't really able to see her. Um, and my mom and dad are also older. They're um, in their mid to late 80s. So they love our kids yeah. and they spend time with them, but they can't take care of them, yeah. you know? So yeah, I, I am home Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Sean is home Tuesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we've made it work. Wow. Uh, it's, it's hard. It, and Working parents, it's hard, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I and I will, I will give. I think you know a lot of credit to the to District ninety five in that I have felt supported mm -hmm. as a parent. Uh, I was you know nervous about pulling Reagan out, mm -hmm. but when I talked to the principal about it, she understood, you yeah. know. And then when it was t when I wanted to bring Reagan back, you know, I was kind of embarrassed, mm -hmm. you know, because I 
I had all these good intentions, but I didn't get as far with Reagan as I wanted. Yeah. And again, the principal was just, yeah, let's just bring her back. We'll yeah. test her. We'll see where she is. And we'll move forward, you know. And they're really meeting Reagan where she is. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting for me to see that, that um, excitement for learning happen again mm -hmm. with her. And I knew it would happen if I just kind of gave her space, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so just before I came here, she was writing. She was asking me how to spell you know, words, and she was writing these cute little stories. And it was fun to see that happen because just even, you know, three months ago, it was a challenge to get her to even want to pick up a pencil. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, her teacher, Mrs. Johns, it, and the other support teachers that are meeting with Reagan on a daily basis are a huge part of that, you know. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I want to run, why I am running for yeah. school board, is because I love our community. Yeah. Car I've lived here 16 years. Um, my parents uh, retired here when I in the 90s. I think uh -huh. when I when I was, uh, I think maybe 95. They retired here. My dad's from Anna, okay. and so I didn't grow up here. But um, I met my husband when I was visiting my parents. My mom and my husband's boss at the time were friends, and they set up set us up on a blind date. <laughs> I was living in LA. Uh -huh. I was very angry. He was angry. Neither one of us wanted to meet each other. Uh -huh. And, you know, we met. I moved here six months later. Six months later, we were married. So, <laughs> and 16 years <laughs> later, um, at the end of April, we'll have our, our 16th anniversary. So it worked out. Um, and I've grown. I, you know, I used to be a big city girl. Uh -huh. And now, I, I think about maybe five or six years into living here in Carbondale, it, I went to visit Chicago, and I expected to feel like excitement, you mm -hmm. know, and I felt claustrophobic, and it was such an odd feeling to me, mm -hmm. and I realized that I had really become almost like a, a small town kind of girl, you know. <laughs> um, and so, back to, the, back to the school board thing, I kind of got off topic there, but I... Um, I love District 95. You know, uh, we choose to be in District 95. Mm -hmm. And um, I love promoting our school district. I love talking to people about the teachers and my children's experience in mm -hmm. 95 and why I think it's important that my children are in 95. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, I want to serve the community. Uh, so I thought, what better way to serve the community of Carbondale than to serve the school district that, you know, I've, I've, I've been a mom for in the district for almost 10 years, and I've got mm -hmm. a, a, a little girl who's, who's in first grade. So right. I'm going to be in the district for a long time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I think I've said in some of the forums, I. I don't have a particular um, platform. I'm not running to change this or that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really running with a heart to serve, yeah. with a love for the community, with a love for the kids, with a respect and love for the teachers uh, to, to hopefully do good and make our, make our district stronger. Well, and it's, you know? it's, a tough, it's a tough thing, any sort of political... Uh, action that an individual takes, right? We've been pigeonholed in this idea that we have to have a platform, 
right? You have to come out with all yeah. these ideas to this, that, the other. And the reality is, in a lot of instances, people should just be wanting and willing to do the work and say, I want to do the work. We'll find out what these objectives are along the way. Obviously, there are there are objectives already in place as I come in. Right. There will be new ones that come as, right. as life and activity develop. But, you know, my, my pledge here is to do the job right. <laughs> and do it well. It's not necessarily to come in here and shake up the system one way or the other. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's important to talk about, you know, if you, what is my, you know, background or, 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 um, framework or, you know, um, how have the, you know, my lived experiences impacting how I'm going to, um, kind of digest a topic and, you know, um, understand it and then put forth my opinion. And, and I think in, in thinking about me and the type of person I am, I, you know, one thing I think both my husband, Sean, and I, you know, we have friends from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, we have friends that think very differently than we do, but we're friends. You mm -hmm. know, I respect other people's opinions and beliefs and um, and I find that I can learn a lot from someone else and then I at the same time can respectfully disagree with someone yeah. you know and it seems like that art of being able to have a conversation about a topic mm -hmm. find where we meet and then be respectful where we don't in, mm -hmm. in so many circles it seems to, to have been lost, mm -hmm. but maybe not. Maybe it's just that's what we're always hearing, you know, <laughs> from the media, at least it seems, you yeah. know. Um, and so I think as a school board member, you'll find that I will be um, open, willing to think. I like to think critically. I like to look at things from different angles. Mm -hmm. I, I like to do some research. Let's take a look and see, you know, how has this been approached in other ways, you mm -hmm. know, we don't always have to reinvent the wheel. There are other people that have come before us that have done this work, and so we can we can take a look at you know what they've done, and then take what we think will work for our district. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved, like I said before, as far as you know, my work in the past. I think if you were to talk to any of the um, professionals that I've worked with in the past, they will tell you that. Um, that I love that interprofessional communication, mm -hmm. and I'll bring that to the to the board. I love to work as a team. Um, I I don't think that there's any better way than than to work as a team together moving forward. Where's that come from? Like for you, for you specifically, like where does that want to be on a team and yeah. like really engage in the process? Like where yeah. where does that find its roots? You know. Um, I really think that I found as a professional working as a speech pathologist uh, and seeing how my patients were progressing. I, I worked in long-term care for a long time, mm -hmm. so worked mm -hmm. with um, the elderly uh, and with PT and OT, but a lot of times we were just doing our own thing, mm -hmm. you know, and starting to see how... I could come alongside the physical therapist or I could come alongside the occupational therapist and I could help with the communication piece. Um, I could help 
with the patient learning um, whatever strategies they needed. Like if they broke their hip and they're non-weight bearing and they keep forgetting, they keep standing up oh. on it. You know, I can help with that. Mm -hmm. So, and then realizing when we started working together as a team, the patient outcomes were so much greater mm -hmm. that then it almost just became a part of who I was, where I was, you know, reaching out to the, the, um, the skilled nursing, um, the, the CNAs, reaching out to them, mm -hmm. reaching out to dietary. And, and it would, you know, funny, sometimes I would have the CNAs come up to me and they'd say, you know, you know, you, you're not all those, not all the people in the rehab team work, but you're a worker, you work hard, because <laughs> you know, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and do what needs to be done. So yeah. if, if that's helping someone to the bathroom, if that's getting someone a glass of water, if that's getting somebody a pillow, you know, I'm, that's not beneath me, that, yeah. that kind of patient care. And, uh, and so I, I, I think that idea of, of just rolling up my sleeves and where do you need me? Yeah. How can I help? Where will my, my skills and, you know, my skill sets be used best? Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think we'll, 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 I think I'll be a great addition to the board. I also am very passionate about disability. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think that our disabled uh, in America um, are very marginalized. Uh, almost to the point where a lot of times we don't even think about them. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the state of the American nursing home, case in point, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not very good. Uh, and I think that happens with our kids too. Um, and so if I could, you know, after I just said I don't have a platform, but if I could say that <laughs> I had any kind of platform, it, yeah. it would just be to, to, to help to raise awareness and be, be a, you know, a voice or a champion for those kids um, because, you know, they need a voice, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and, they, and that's pertinent now as well if I, and I, and I don't have a, a ton of insight on school board activity, but the, the district was looking or has done or, or had some sort of uh, task force related to bringing in services that they had otherwise had occurring at, um, you know, the reg at a regional school district. Is that, is, am I right on yeah, that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yep, you're right. Um, I don't know all the details, but I know that in the past, some of those kids that, that necessarily couldn't be, ser couldn't get the services at one of our schools would go somewhere else. And so now they have some of those, um, what they would call self-contained classrooms mm -hmm. in the district, which I, I think is important. Um, I think in, um, inclusion is also really important. Mm -hmm. uh, not all the time, but you know, I, um, I have a really beautiful story about my son. So Jameson was in the, was in the um, special ed regular ed class mm -hmm. uh, a couple times. And so he was in first grade. And he had a little friend who had autism, and that was his first experience with autism when mm -hmm. he was six years old. You know, and he come home and he talked to me about it. You know, my friend, you know, she's a little. You know, we talk about, well, how could you play with her? And mm -hmm. and they became, you know, um, pretty good friends. And uh, Jameson went to her birthday party, and then um, it came time for Jameson's birthday party. His birthday is in the summer, and we have a little boy at our church who has Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and. Maybe he's a year older than Jameson. And 
we were going, it was going to be an all-boy birthday party, and so we were going through the list of friends he wanted to invite. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to invite Stanley. And I said, you too, that's wonderful. Um, and so we were talking, and, and I just asked him, I said, you know, just tell me a little bit about that, about that. And, and he said, well, he goes, you know, that he, he's a lot like, like my friend at school, and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I really had fun at, at her birthday party, and so I, I just really want him to be at my birthday party. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's great. So I called his mom, and his mom said, she, she said, and it, it makes me cry a little bit, she mm -hmm. said, um, this is the first time that, that he's ever been invited to a birthday, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I think that, that, that those opportunities for inclusion mm -hmm. in the classroom allow our children to experience um, diversity as far as among disabilities. Mm -hmm. And they, they can grow and develop um, compassion and mm -hmm. empathy and an understanding on how to be friends with somebody that's very different from them. And I think they get that at Carbondale Elementary School, which is a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. you know? So they have opportunity with ethnic and racial diversity mm -hmm. and then also with disability. Mm -hmm. And, and um, the, the potential then when they're, when they're exposed to those different types of kids in the classroom, not just, not, not just on the playground or you know at lunch but actually in the classroom then at fourth and fifth and sixth grade mm -hmm. on into high school they're compassionate and mm -hmm. caring and they take those kids along with them mm -hmm. you know and I don't know that if they don't if they don't have their op those opportunities when they're little I think that's less li likely to happen mm -hmm. when they're older you know well, and, so, and that rolls that rolls up into adulthood just the same yeah. Right. I mean, if, if you're talking about uh, a young person who has you know, gotten to directly engage with somebody who um, may not have you know, full use uh, of their their legs, they may not have uh, full cognitive function. They they may be uh, you know, on the on the spectrum uh, that when these young folks grow up to be adults, that they now have had a lifelong relationship mm -hmm. with individuals who, uh, you know, policy needs to be made for. And now you have an adult that says, oh, I've had, a, you know, I've had mm -hmm. engagements and relationships and folks uh, in this way in my life for this long. Um, you know, it's I, I've observed and been part of it at all different stages. Now we can do the next stage of making yeah, the world a little making bit those better. changes now, now all of a sudden your son's running for school yeah. board and he's yeah, doing right? good, yeah. good things yeah. right? i mean that's that's a very that's a very real consequence right yeah. long term right uh of You're just right. good old mm -hmm. human interaction uh and and you know to to move beyond uh you know institutional exclusion right yeah and when you think about disability you know there are different different theories of disability and different models and one of them is you know the social model and mm -hmm. the idea that dis a disability is only a disability as so far as the societal constructs mm -hmm. make it so yep. right so um, if you can change the societal constructs so that that person can access the quality of life that that they want the job that they want you know then their their disability is no longer a disability yep. you know and i think that's sort of what you're saying that as we as our children grow and learn to accept um varying disabilities then then they move on to be adults that can continue to change that construct yep. you know
Yeah, no, I think I think you got it right on the head that that it is that we 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 allow as much as we want to, right? As as a whole, in the way that again we work through the political system to determine who we do and who we don't, uh, you know, uh, provide or or assign value to, uh, mm-hmm. and and who we do uh, through the actual actions that we take, right? I yeah. the the sidewalks in Carbondale are an example of yeah, that, right? Finally, some, right? <laughs> some some, some yeah. parts of the sidewalks, uh, you know, are are accessible and, and built in such a way to provide uh, the guidance that anybody needs, from somebody who may be in a wheelchair to somebody who may be blind, mm-hmm. right? That there's that there's just all sorts of functionality in that, um, but on the other side of it, right? It's not yeah. that way in all communities, and even in our community, there are there are plenty of places where there are disparities mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's it's the up and down of it as, as much as you can do one good thing here there are 20 other things that need right. fixed over here and right. you know that's that's part of the again we go back to the not having a platform component of this right until you are doing the job it's difficult to just outright prioritize right you know as you're as you're uh, you know, kind of giving your spiel on the on the campaign trail. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and you know, my, uh, Sean and I were talking about this the other night. I read this really interesting article about uh, the school board and school board elections and mm-hmm. why they're so important. And people, I, I think, community members, we kind of don't we don't think about the school board. Mm-hmm. We don't pay it a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, and yet, after I read this article, it was so like. Wow, mind-blowing to me, this idea that the school board is almost like the foundation to our, our, our society, to our government, in that mm-hmm. it's like one of the lowest level mm-hmm. areas that you can vote for, mm-hmm. and, and, and your vote is so important, mm-hmm. you know, um, and thinking about, well, you know, somebody would say, well, I don't have kids, so... Why, why should I take the time to vet uh, the school board candidates mm-hmm. when it doesn't impact me? Mm-hmm. But it does. Because, I mean, you can make a couple of different arguments there. You can talk about how our children are important, regardless of whether you have uh, children or not, because <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they, they are going to grow up to be adults, mm-hmm. and we need to care for them. Uh, and we need to provide all the children in our community with an equitable education, you know. Um, but you can also talk to people about the fact that uh, it, it impacts your property value because great school districts, people want to live in great school districts. Mm-hmm. And so your property value is tied to the school board because the school board are the people that make a lot of the you know important decisions and are the steer you know they steer the school where it's going to go and so you know I just I hope that um, the people that are listening to this you know that maybe hadn't considered really looking at the school board Mm -hmm. to really think about it because it's important and and municipal elections in general you know um, city elections a lot of people, you know, the, the vote turnout is so much lower, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yet you could argue that it's more important mm-hmm. than, than the national elections because while it's very important that you, you choose your, um, your representatives, your congressmen, senators, you know, president, that's all really important. Um, but what really happens to you at a local level is what you really feel, you know. 
Um, so they're now not, I'll get off my soapbox no, about, no, let it, <laughs> about let voting. It let it but out. <laughs> no, it's so it's so fun. I, I hadn't in, until you started talking about it in, in this context of juxtaposition of of, you know, uh, uh, top of the ballot candidates and, and down ballot candidates and, and you know, an and actual uh, federal election or, or municipal elections. Um, it, in my mind, it just clicked over on uh, people who argue about, well, why do you why do you go through the drive through at McDonald's so much when you've got, uh, you know, such and such local restaurant over here that, you know, where, where are you spending your dollars at just the same when your dollars roll up into larger corporations and then you go, ah, man, these folks are taking resources out of our community. Um, while at the same time, um, you know, not not looking at. Uh, again, the the local the local organizations is very much the same thing in in national and local politics. Mm -hmm. A lot of care over here for national politics because it's it's the convenient politics to engage in almost. Yeah, it's, right? ex it's exciting, and there's a lot you know there's a lot of news around it, yeah. and a lot of money put into it. You uh, know? And it's it's easy to pick one side or the other or wherever yes. you may be yeah. in local politics. It's not as mm -mm. it's not as easy because no. you really know the people that. You're here mm -hmm. and you can have agreeances with them 60% of the time and 40% of the time you don't agree with them. But still, again, like we went back to the start mm -hmm. of the conversation, still really like that person, be friends with them. And, oh, no, now you're torn with all of this political activity around you. Where where do I go? What direction am I am I headed with? You know, I yeah, yeah, I agree. I think uh, definitely at the municipal level, um, political party, I don't think it's necessarily as important mm -hmm. as it um you know i think definitely at that local level it's you know it it's really voting for you know um it's a person yeah you know and and voting for someone who you think is gonna do a great job yeah. you know it's not always it's not always left or right or mm -hmm. you know center it's um I don't know. That's another conversation. But <laughs> well, one of the things I want to jump back into, you touched on it a little bit. Um, it was was coming to Carbondale, right? And that's that's really I you you have command over your story um, in in the way that uh, that you're able to uh, present yourself in long form conversation. So you that's that's stellar. Like I didn't even have to ask questions. You're just like. I got this. Let's go. <laughs> um, I like to talk. But the um, but that's usually where where we kind of jump off to is ask people, well, how did you how did you come to be in Carbondale? And you said your parents moved here from Anna, but I'm guessing they weren't originally from Anna either. No, or? no, my parents. So my from my parents moved. My dad's from Anna. Okay. So my my grandfather owned a grocery store in the 30s, 40s, and 50s in Anna, uh, and my dad and my mom met, my mom came down here, I think it was called Anna State Hospital mm -hmm. back then, mm -hmm. and did her nursing rotation there, and my mom and dad met that way. Okay. Uh, and then they moved to Chicago, uh, and that I grew up in Chicago, half of my childhood there, and then we moved to California, spent the other half of my childhood there. And then my parents, when I was, I got my bachelor's at Cal State uh, mm -hmm. Fullerton, and when I was a senior, my parents um, moved here. Mm -hmm. So they and they started Kite Hill Bed and Breakfast and cultivated oh, okay. that um, wine, the vineyard and the winery. And they sold it, gosh, maybe I don't know, several years ago. Uh, 
so that's how they ended up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, like I said, I got suckered into a blind date with the, the best guy ever. And <laughs> that I didn't know. He didn't want to meet me. I didn't want to meet him, like I said. But it was almost love at first sight, I would say. And and well. here we are, you know, in Carbondale. I, I just, I it's so, you know, life is, if you had told me when I was living in L.A. <laughs> that I would be spending, you know, I, I've lived in Carbondale longer than I've lived anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would spend the you know my life in Carbondale, Illinois. I would say you are absolutely out of your mind, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But now you know I I can't imagine really um, raising my kids anywhere else. It's it's such a beautiful community. Mm -hmm. um, just the natural resources we have, uh, it, all the just outdoor experiences, and then with the university, there's a lot of neat cultural experiences mm -hmm. that Carbondale has to offer. And then we've got um, such great diversity. Um, I think we're really a very unique city. I, you know, I love, we've got music, you know, so much music. Mm -hmm. um, we've got art, just a great wealth of wonderful artists in the community. Uh, just about anything you, you want you can, you know, you can find and do here, which, which is so neat given it is in, you know, rural America, yeah. you know? Um, and that's also what's so fun. Like my, my son, Jameson, one of his best buds is, you know, a farmer and, you know, he's got, you know, um, another best bud, you know, um, dad, you know, is a doctor. And then he's got another best bud whose dad is a professor. And, you know, I mean, it's just like so many different people mm -hmm. that he is able to be friends with. Um, and that that's really exciting, yeah. you know, per perspective, right? Yeah, and, and different perspectives. The, I, I, I would imagine, you know, coming from the coast, uh, you know, having lived in L.A., that that there are folks that you would encounter that, that seem like they have, uh, you know, this this life experience kind of cornered, that it kind of belongs to them, that if you're not L.A. living, you're not living. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, no, there's actually some really cool aspects of this. And that's and that can mm -hmm. be said for for a lot of folks in a lot of cities. Right. Chicago, New York, mm -hmm. Houston, where, wherever you may be that there is that there are folks being like, no, nah, this is this is it. But it's like, oh no, surprise. You can actually have a microcosm of all these things yeah, yeah. that make up experiences in a mm -hmm. in a large area, uh, in an urbanized area that actually exists here in rural America. Yeah. And we just happen to be just close enough for all these things <laughs> to coincide all together all at once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not too far away. It's funny, people just don't realize that Illinois that there is even Illinois down here you right. know when I'll tell people they'll say where do you live and you know oh you know near Peoria or up near I said no I said we're about an hour from Kentucky Illinois goes down that far <laughs> like, yes. yep <laughs> yes, it does, yes, it it does. does. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the the there was always some sort of southern Illinois roots but you didn't yeah. really experience the southern Illinois roots until you were grown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I worked for about four years uh, in the nursing home in Anna, mm -hmm. which was even you know more of a trip for me because um, given that my parents are elderly, I was treating um, 
patients who knew my dad, who mm -hmm. went to school with my dad, wow. you know, uh, and and um, they would, you know, tell me stories about my dad and uh, or my grandfather. And and that that was a really unique experience that I I just, ne you know, never would have thought I would have had. Yeah. Really, really fun. Uh, and and it's it's a it's a it is a 180 from having a a life again and a, away from where your family is from where it, you wouldn't have had these stories it would have just been this long disconnect and now it, it would have almost started over from scratch where you would have been like oh this is a new family identity from here now that we're the LA family right as opposed yeah. to the Southern Illinois family yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's a, a a unique a unique perspective. Do you so here's here's a here's a selfish question for for me because I'm I'm interested in getting people to move here from places like where in California wildfires have wiped out right. entire yeah. um, <laughs> entire uh, towns. I mean, do you, having had a, an experience growing up part of your life in. Uh, in California, do you think this is the place that we could actually attract people from there to here and have like a reasonable sales pitch to do so? I think so. You know, I, I think it's a definitely a different pace of living, uh -huh. um, which was hard for me at first, mm -hmm. uh, much slower, I would say. Um, I think I miss I think what I miss the most is the food, you know, yeah. uh, different um, options, although it's a lot better here now than it was when I first moved here. <laughs> we have a lot, you know, a lot of really unique restaurants yeah. that have kind of opened up and offer um, that variety. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think Carbondale is a great place to move and raise your family. Uh, and it's exciting for me to see people, you know, I have friends who are you know, um, through church that, you know, grew up here and then they left and now they're back, yeah. you know, it's, and they've chosen to come back and they're choosing to be here. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it seems like there's a movement among people our age to really get back involved in the community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to work to make our community stronger. And, and that's where, you know, everything starts is grassroots efforts you mm -hmm. know people who care about other people and and want to make a change and and so it's fun to see how different people are doing that you know um and i really i'm excited and i and i hope that that um carbondale will come out on april 6th to vote <laughs> and you know cast cast their ballot for me so i can yeah. start down my path of you know um giving back to the community in, in this more um, specific way. Your sign game has been good. Yeah. I will, you know, I, I, and, and I'm going to, I'm going gonna, gonna to have an interview with uh, Marquita on, um, on Friday. And she, I, I, I'm going to joke with her a little bit. She was the, she was the first person to have a sign out. She was the only person to have a sign out before me. And I know that because the first <laughs> sign that I went to put out, I put in a yard next to a yard that had her sign. Out. I was like, Dang. Um, but at the same time, I've also, you know, as, as this is all, going on see a bunch of see a bunch of years popping up around uh around town and it's you know it's it's just interesting to even like to even put your name on a billboard and you like know. little billboards and walk around yeah. and put them all over I town know. and be it, like my name's around town now it's an experience 
it's an experience. I, I was at a store and I paid with my credit card and, and, and the cashier looked at me and, and he said, Aaron Connolly, your, your name really familiar. Isn't your name on signs all over? And I said, he said, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was Eric Connolly. And I said, no, it's Aaron Connolly. Yeah, That's me. It's, it's me. It's me. Uh, and then there's the other side of that where, where, you know, you, <laughs> where people who are who should be well known around town can walk into a, 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 a store or a place and nobody has a clue it just depends on the time of day and it's so uh it's an interesting um it's an interesting uh what's i don't even know what the right what the right phrase here is uh, just action to to take again to like try and become notable in like a short amount of time like for yeah, a very yeah. specific reason, and then nobody cares again for another however right. long until you have to do it again. <laughs> nobody remembers you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very short notoriety, which is okay. Uh, you know. Have you uh, have you started uh, have you started like walking and putting door hangers out? That's yes. that's what spurred me. Really, I, I I had been thinking about this, and the thing that really turned me over uh, on this was was two things. One, a a a post that I had seen about. Corey, uh, and then uh, Sean's post with your door hangers. Yeah, yeah. On them, I was like, "All right, it's go do the District 95 thing." This is a <laughs> good. Thing well, I'm glad that that kind of spurred you on to talk to us because that's great. I think this is um, a great service that you're providing again to just allow the community to get to know um, the candidates a little more. And yeah, I'm starting to walk around the neighborhoods and I'm having some, you know, I've asked some friends that live in different neighborhoods to walk their neighborhoods for me. Yeah. Uh, it's different with COVID because, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know, whether you, you know, I would, I would really like to meet people because, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, <laughs> I like to know people. I want to say, Hey, you know, I'm Aaron, but at yeah. the same time, it's so awkward, you know, and it's like, I've had my vaccination. Uh -huh. Um, but you know, uh, so I'm talking to people if they're out in their yard, you know, I might just say, hey. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm just I'm just hanging the door knockers and not, you know, knocking yeah. on people's doors yeah. and asking them to open their doors. But uh, yeah, I think that's hopefully another great way just to get my name out there mm -hmm. and and a quick blurb about, you know, me and my experience and why I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Uh... <laughs> And I, I, I really did when, when starting this, when starting this up, right, starting on, on city council and, you know, somebody, it, had I not gotten COVID in January, um, I, I, I would have been a little bit more ahead of the game uh, on this, but come like, that was my new year's Eve present. Oh, right was, uh, before the vaccination, we got, we had uh, COVID in November uh -huh. and it, you know, and it's just such a bummer to get it right before <laughs> you could get vaccinated. Yep. <laughs> uh, and we, and we rolled right in cause I'm, I'm one B. So I rolled right in and, and so is my wife. We rolled right in from having had COVID to, Okay, it's literally day one of getting our of being able to get the vaccine. We're out Boom, of, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're out of quarantine. There, uh, it's just <laughs> wacky, but I mean that's my my hope. What my hope was to get these kind of in in process to before all of the forms that people would have had a time to like watch these and digest them, and then be like, okay, cool, it's been a month, and now I'm gonna listen to this person's like spiel now that I've learned about them as a person, but didn't work out quite quite like that. But I really, like I said, I'm I'm. I'm appreciative of the social media activity that y'all have done as school board 
uh, candidates so far to just draw some attention to it, which drew me to it, which hopefully draws more attention to it. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, we especially so. as as you know, on on the other side of this, where people that uh, may be interested in the Johnny Logan race or the or the city council race or what have you aren't aren't as engaged on the school board race. That's the other thing, right? Like, how do you mm-hmm. follow all of these different things going on? Like, it's yeah, it's tough yeah. enough to manage trying to watch one, <laughs> let alone hey, there are yeah. there are still people that you need to be concerned about on your school board. There are still people that are that are a trustee or they are the the college. I just wacky. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm sure I knew this, or I don't know, this first time I've really noticed the John A. Logan signs and thinking, oh, I, we get to vote for that. That was kind of a new thought to me. Uh-huh. I, you know, um, it is a lot. It, you know, and it's hard to carve out time sometimes to, to take a look at all of it. I know sometimes I walk into the ballot box and I'm like, oh, darn it. I forgot to look at those judges or, right. you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, but civic duty again, you know, it's our, our right to vote is so precious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people think my vote doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, um, and nationally, while I think our vote does matter, I can understand how people would, would, would feel that way. Mm-hmm. But locally your vote really matters. Yes. You know, because it's it's not that many votes. And so, you know, when you do your due, dili- due, gili- due diligence, excuse me, <laughs> and you figure out who you want to vote for and you cast your vote, it matters yeah. big time. You know, yeah. and it's kind of it's exciting when you think about it that way to to be able to exercise your right to vote. You know, the. Getting old enough to start bubbling in next to the names of people that I actually know. (laughs) Right. And that's, I I feel like that's a disconnect (laughs) for folks who are, who are young, younger, like just becoming of age to, to vote. And I think arguably that's even a little different uh, with, with Gen Z now than it was for uh, our generations to, to engage in this, that they're a little bit more politically savvy this go around, but, but otherwise it was usually, you know, I don't know these people. I'm not connected to these people. Uh, you know, why do I, why do I worry about it? And it's like, okay, well, as you start to understand that there are people that, you know, on this ballot now, all of a sudden as an adult, you're like, ha (laughs) ha, I got to participate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And even at that 13% of registered voters, uh, in the city, I think was, was the last, Mm -hmm. uh, was the last, uh, election, uh, in this in this cycle i mean 12 12 1300 people tops yeah i know i know well maybe that'll change slowly who knows yeah um i didn't mean to get all like bummery yeah no i (laughs) know it's you know it's (laughs) i do um, that sometimes i just gotta figure out oh no don't steer out of the skid nathan why'd you have to (laughs) it's been 50 minutes of really good conversation don't go ruin it now Uh, (laughs) the um Oh shucks! Where what for for healthcare? Because both you and Sean work in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? And has he has that always been the case? Has he always been in healthcare as well, or is his? No, when I met him, he worked for uh, the Southern Illinoisan, okay. and he was in well advertising. Done, <laughs> um, yeah, and then he, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know Sean's um, really kind of a beer geek kind of guy. You know, loves oh, yeah. loves craft beer. Um, 
And so then he went and worked in the beer industry for a while. Uh, just kind of, I think he just kind of got burnt out mm -hmm. doing that. Um, and then this opportunity opened up for him over at SIH, and he just, he really loves it. I, I think it's it's a fun way to market because it's mar it's not that, I hate to I hate to make it sound like all marketing isn't meaningful, but when you're uh, marketing, let, okay, it, I, I will be the first. I will I will tell you as a marketer, <laughs> as as a in the same line of profession. Not all marketing is valuable. Not all marketing uh, matters. Uh, a yeah. lot of marketing is just garbage to get people to transact. So, yeah, right. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I'll and, provide you the cover. <laughs> yeah, and so I think he's really enjoying, you know, marketing these these programs that SIH offers to the community and, yeah. and getting that that voice out there, you know, about, um, you know, whether it's stroke awareness or, or heart awareness. Uh, he, and I think, I think it's, it might be four or five years, maybe five years now he's worked there. So oh, that's great. yeah, he really loves it. Um, yeah. And, and I, I have, um, really enjoyed my transition to, to working for SIU. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's like a different, uh, helping to build someone else's clinical skills, helping them to grow and develop their mm -hmm. professional disposition. Um, it, it's, it's exciting in, in a way that I didn't expect it to be, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's like a new challenge, mm -hmm. you know, a different challenge than what I did before. And Sometimes I do, you know, I do miss, I do miss direct treatment. I was working PRN in nursing homes, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes in the evening or on the weekends until Corona. And then I, I, you know, had to stop. Um, so now I'm, I'm not working in um, the private sector at all. Um, but that, in some ways that's good because it's allowed me to slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think COVID did that for all of us. You know, it made us really slow. <laughs> slow our lifestyle <laughs> down a lot uh and um yeah i think it's uh and i think i also understand some aspects of education that i didn't before uh, which i has been fun too and now that i'm starting some research related to my dissertation which mm -hmm. really excites me like i always wanted to go back and get my phd yeah. uh and it <laughs> I just never thought I would be like geeking out on research the way that I am. Like it's so fun. Yeah, it's funny to say that research is so fun, uh -huh. but it is. You know, uh, it, it it's almost like I tell people I'm. It's like, kind of like I'm a kid in the candy store. <laughs> I'm just so excited by it. So it's. It, I think part of it is it's just a dream that I thought was not going to happen. You know, I put yeah. it away maybe five years ago. Six years ago, I just kind of tucked that away. Like, no, that's just not in my um, future. And so to be able to bring that back and resurface that and to see, you know, that dream come into reality is really exciting for me. Oh, that's, it is fulfilling to hear you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really is, right? And it's, because, there are there are folks that slug through it and struggle there are folks that just do it because it's what they have to do for the next step but it is it is very refreshing when you hear somebody that really is just into it yeah yeah and i and i am i'm getting my phd in um 
rehabilitation counseling and administration. So it's a mm -hmm. different lens than speech pathology. Mm -hmm. It's a much wider lens on disability. And so it's been really fun because it's not like when I was in grad school and I was having to um, consume and digest and assimilate all this new knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I have 20 years of experience in rehabilitation, so it's looking at what I already know from a bigger angle, mm -hmm. and under, and then even some concepts that I probably did learn, but I didn't assimilate them. Um, so understanding some things that I didn't understand before has been just really fun, mm -hmm. really fun. Uh, and what I always wanted to do Back when I graduated with my master's degree, I wanted to get some experience and do real meaningful research yeah. that for the clinician, for the practitioner. You know, so many times I read research, whoops, I read research and um, like, <laughs> did you even do that? I hate yeah. to say that, but like as a practicing clinician, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. So that is my sort of my goal um, is to help practicing clinicians um, treat their patients better. So that, that ties in uh, back to the school board one more time in terms of there are people that research for research sakes, right? And there are people that research for application. Right, sake, yeah. Right, and to have somebody that's working from a perspective of, you know, I bring in policy and, and research associated with it for application sake, right. and not just for the sake of pontification on policy. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, they both have their place. I, I definitely think it's, you know, you know, all research is for the most part important research, but you know, uh, that application piece is critical. Um, and I think something else that's been really fun for me is is learning how to take a look at a study and identify whether it's a good one or not. Yeah. Because in the past, as a as a practicing clinician, I kind of went past all that. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm just going to get past the research methods. Tell me, tell me, tell me the conclusion. You yeah. know. And so now to be able to uh, to have that knowledge, just to to look at the research methods and say, eh, you know that no. I'm not going to bother to read your conclusion because your research isn't sound. Mm -hmm. That's a fun, uh, you know, something new for me uh, that is, I'm still learning. I'm definitely not, um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in being able to do that, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's a fun um, new skill that I have. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's very, that is, again, applicable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it's it, the, the until you get into a role you can only think of how much some of this work applies to what you can do but it's you know in talking with Kathy right part of part of her explanation of of what the school board does is in setting policy for the superintendent right. to you know in turn uh, work through administrative uh, staff and and faculty to to execute Mm -hmm. Right. And it takes having people that have that understanding of, again, not just up here, but one to one where this is actually going, you know, where a policy is going to fall out on the other side. Right. Yeah. How is this going to how is this going to work? Because sometimes things in um, 
we can think that something will work, but it doesn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> when you put <laughs> it into practice. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I think that that more and more as we, this is uh, probably a different topic, but as, as children um, that are growing and learning, they do a lot of their work in a computer mm -hmm. on um, theoretical knowledge, mm -hmm. but they've never actually built something yeah. to know that, yeah, even though theoretically that's going to work, realistically, it won't, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really interesting, that idea of, yeah, sometimes you have to be able to, you have to t be able to tell, you know, the difference between what could work in theory or even, okay, this is a great theory, how do we pull the theory and make it practical for us? Yeah. And that's where some of that, you know, going back to that evidence-based practice where you look at, you take the research, but you also look at the client perspectives, mm -hmm. you know, and I think in terms of, you think in terms of school board, you know, you're in, and you're looking at, well, there's a lot of perspectives that we have to take into account. We've mm -hmm. got the teacher's perspectives. We have the parent perspectives, you know, we have, the children and their perspectives and um, the community's perspectives, you know, and those are all really important pieces um, that the school board, you know, and then the school board members have their perspectives. And I think when you can take all of that together, you can find, you can find a way that's going to, you know, bring that theory into a meaningful practice for our school, you know. Um, but if you just look at one, if you're only looking at these perspectives, it's not going to work. Or if you're only looking at theory, it's not going to work. Or if the school board's only looking at what, you know, it's almost like I tell my my my, uh, my students, you have to take your speech therapy blinders off. Mm -hmm. You can't just be looking like this all the time because there's a whole lot of other things happening around you. And if you're looking at your client like this, mm -hmm. you're missing the boat completely, yeah. you know? And then you're wondering why your therapy's not working. Well, <laughs> you know, there's all these other things happening in this person's yep. life. You know, they were confounding whatever reason your therapy's not working. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. But no. But, <laughs> I, I, but, but you do, and that's, that's spot on. I mean, ultimately, what it, what it comes to is, is uh, everybody's experience is similar enough to make reference to, but different enough to mm -hmm. understand that whatever you apply is going to be just different enough that <laughs> it's going to yeah. have to be just different enough to work specifically for that mm -hmm. person or that environment or yeah. that organization or what, what have you. And having that, you know, cultural responsiveness is so important. Um, and that starts with each individual person, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think being aware of my bias, because we all have bias, mm -hmm. There's not a single person that doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think when you can step in and say, okay, maybe I've got a bias happening here. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of it. What can I do to work with it? Can I set it down? Do I just need to pay attention to it? Um, and then also that in turn, when you, when you start to understand your bias, then you can really start to see other people and... Um, value them because everybody lives very different experiences, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and one experience isn't 
better than another. It's just different. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, if we go back to the, you know, Carbondale, gosh, why I loved, that's another reason why I love to have my kids there. I think I've said this already, but, you know, gosh, just the, the diversity that my, you know, my kids, they get to be friends with people that are very different from them. And, and that is really exciting, yeah. you know? Uh, and I think it's also important for children to experience life um while they're under their parents roof yeah. you know so that if they see something that's unusual at school or different or you know a little scary or, or who knows what it is um they can come home and we can have a conversation about it mm -hmm. and we can talk about it uh and then and then they can grow and develop and um they can take you know bits and pieces of of different culture and and assimilate it into who they are and you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a really can be a really just beautiful opportunity for children you know when when we can when we can really help them to to um, respect and 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 love each other's differences you know it's what that's what makes us unique you know um we're all different and that's that's great you know we can respect each other's differences. And that is what has been great about episode 45 of the WTF Carbondale podcast. Sorry, I always try and find that like break in line yeah, where perfect. I like lean in and, like <laughs> and, out and, and I find, try and find that very like last word that ties into uh, <laughs> where this was. Yeah. Had, we, had we ended like two minutes earlier perspective, I was going to be like, and that's the perspective uh, from Aaron Connolly for episode 45 of the WTF Carbondale podcast. Um, Aaron is running for District 95 uh, School Board, uh, and she's part of this little impromptu series of interviews with some of the candidates that are running from school board uh, this year. Uh, other than that, as I always say, uh, have a good one, whatever that one may be.